Welcome to Startup Nation Voices, a podcast of Startup Nation Mentorship and the World Jewish Congress. Startup Nation Mentorship pairs extraordinary college student leaders with top Israeli industry and government mentors. We currently operate on 20 campuses in six continents and enable students to develop meaningful, lasting relationships with Israelis who are in the center of the dynamic global economy and hub of innovation. In Voices, we bring on top Israeli and international leaders to share a deeper look into their industry and personal background, exploring the importance of mentorship and partnership with Israel. It's such a privilege to welcome Zvika Oran to this week's episode. Zvika is a general partner at Viola Ventures, a global multi-stage venture capital firm. Zvika went to Tel Aviv University, where he studied biomedical engineering before serving in the Israeli Air Force for eight years. After his service, Zvika founded VI, an AI-based fitness technology company. He then moved to Viola, where he is now serving as general partner. I'm Elon Arnowitz, Director of Mentor Relations and a senior at the University of Michigan. And I'm Ben Slotkin, Vice President of Mentor Relations and freshman at the University of Pennsylvania. So let's begin. Um, Zvika, we have some questions for you. Um, so the first question is just pretty simple. Tell us about Viola. It's um, got five different divisions. So if you could tell us about why those five divisions and um, how those divisions and the company as a whole has achieved success. Yeah, so I think the idea behind Viola, Viola is to have a one-stop shop for multiple asset classes uh, that are symbiotic to each other. Um, we have Viola Ventures, which I'm a partner at. It's an early-stage fund. We do seed to B, uh, anything that could uh, be in the range between uh, B2C, B2B, deep tech. We do not do medical devices or pharma. Uh, we have a late stage fund, which is doing uh, investments in companies that are usually north of $10 million in annual revenue. Uh, we have a venture fund, which is providing venture land, uh, venture depth for, uh, for startups. And we have uh, a vertical fintech fund, which is doing... Uh, which is, uh, is based on an LP base of strategic investors such as banks and insurance companies, and they are very focused on fintech. Uh, the fifth part is Viola Generation. It's more focused on infrastructure. I think it's less relevant for this conversation. But the first four are very synergetic to each other uh, for two reasons. Number one, we are sharing resources. So we have a very large and deep value add team uh, in the form of marketing, legal, finance, HR that can support the entire portfolio. And in this case, size matters. Uh, for example, when we want to do HR, so we have a pretty good understanding of the ecosystem. We're looking for a new VP marketing. We probably know most of the VP marketing that are out there today in the market and we can help our companies uh, attract uh, high quality talent. Uh, the second point is that the different funds can interact with each other. So it's very symbiotic to talk with someone from a growth fund, which has similar motivation, warm relationship to learn what are they looking for when our companies will reach growth stage. 
and to focus on what are the KPIs that we want to optimize in our early stage companies uh, before they get there. So we can go on and on, but um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. So it's really interesting how you explain the different uh, functions within Viola are, are all symbiotic with one another. Building on that, I'm curious, you, you hear a lot of uh, stakeholders talk about uh, bigger and bigger valuations, right? Where these big uh, later stage VC firms are going earlier and earlier, which is driving up the prices of uh, investments. What What is your take on that within the Israeli ecosystem being a player in all different stages of, of the value chain? First of all, that's a true statement. Uh, we are seeing... Uh, uh, two phenomenons, the one that you mentioned and the other one is that it's global and it's obviously affecting Israel that we're seeing less new companies. Uh, and this is just accelerating the valuation increase. The reason, uh, you know, each geography had a different reason, but the most important one is that the new large tech giants uh, such as Amazon, Google, Facebook, they have great innovation, inter internal innovation capabilities. Uh, and uh, they're able to track talent at a very early stage and preventing from some uh, entrepreneurs from founding their own companies. A at some level, we see this as a natural screening, which is actually helping us doing our work better and identifying you know, the only those entrepreneurs that are really looking to, to build something big. Now, going back to your question, this creates a challenge where we need to be much more selective. We need to put higher bets um, at the higher risk profile. So this requires us to do two things. First of all, do a much deeper personal investigation. Again, we're an early stage fund, so we invest much more on the people rather than anything else. So we have to find ways in interacting with the entrepreneurs in a very short time frame because the processes are very competitive. We have like from first meeting to term sheet between two to three weeks. And we have to be very efficient in building a relationship with the entrepreneur. On one hand, providing him value such as customers, but through these interactions to learn about the founders, to learn about the product offering, to learn how do they pitch the product, to learn how do they uh, cope with situations where sometimes they do not have an answer. Uh, what happens if they are you know, talking with a very sophisticated customer and at a point that they need to uh, uh, be very, uh, uh, you know, to think on spot, to, be, uh, uh, to provide improvisation and to take, uh, to take them, you know, to, uh, uh, points that it's very hard to to do, you know, under the neons and in the, in the meeting room where uh, everything is calm and cool. So we need to try and find those points where we can uh, learn more in uh, an accelerated process, uh, and and that's a challenge. The second topic is how do we learn the markets uh, at a level that will allow us to be deep enough so when we meet the entrepreneur, we have we understand the space terminology, we have a network, and uh, we can jump deeper, faster. So we do this by, uh, by uh, creating uh, different categories within the partnership. So each partner has a different area of expertise. 
For example, I'm covering deep tech. So when I meet a semiconductor entrepreneur, it's very easy for me to jump very deep into the product, uh, the competitive landscape, uh, to uh, pick up a call to someone from Qualcomm or NVIDIA and to get a quick feedback. Uh, and, and I think to, to meet these short processes and to uh, make bigger bets, you need to be very informative and you need to be very deep into those topics. So really to summarize, uh, we are going uh, earlier, but even when you go out to seed rounds, you're going to see rounds that vary between three to six million dollars. A rounds vary between five to 20 million dollars. So for the same level of risk that we've been, you know, used to uh, three or four years ago, we're doing uh, almost 2x amount of money at that point. So the reason that so the solution for that is one, interacting more efficiently with uh, the, the entrepreneurs. And number two is uh, uh, making the partners become domain experts in the area that they are investing and narrowing it down not to be completely general purpose and to, uh, investors. Really interesting. Fascinating. So, so Zvika, you, you, something that stood out to me about what you just said was the incredibly short turnaround between when an investment is, is made. You, you mentioned two to three weeks. Is that new? Has it always been the case that the turnaround is that short? Or, or is the hyper-competitive nature that we just discussed where these bigger firms are moving earlier and earlier, has that forced... Uh, the turnaround to be quick? And is that good for the industry? Can you really get to know a, a founder and a vision in two to three weeks? So it is what it is. You know, I, uh, the market today is a market of entrepreneurs more than a market of investors. There's much more money out there. And uh, as I mentioned, there are less entrepreneurs. So uh, for us to be competitive, this is the only way uh, we can win deals and it's not only time but it's the relationship that you build with the entrepreneurs you know if they see added value in the process the good entrepreneurs would be okay with pushing it for another week two three because they feel that the other side is doing the right job and providing value throughout the process this value can be in the form of good advice on management building, on introducing potential customers, on introducing potential talent for, uh, for, uh, uh, for the executive team. So I think this is, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, the best investors would be the ones that would be those that can be quick but deep and demonstrate value to the entrepreneurs from day one. Great. So, Zvika, I want to I want to sort of move forward with um, something you had mentioned earlier, which was your technical expertise and sort of how you're focused on deep tech. Um, and you know, in addition to the fact that there's such a short turnaround now, and it's such an uber competitive market um, for um, early investing in these startups, how is how important is it? Do you think that you had this background in um, AI and biomedical engineering um, and deep tech already before um, you went into venture capital um, from your time as an entrepreneur um, and, and that technical skill set. How is that 
at helping you in VC to not only um, be able to work with these um, companies once you've already um, signed the term sheet, but also talk to the entrepreneurs and do do the most amount of due diligence you can in such a short time window. So, you know, VC, uh, early stage VC has two important components. One is good access. The other is good selection. Uh, and, and the good selection really means how do you pick the best entrepreneurs? And I think it's important for every investor to have uh, you know, a superpower or a relative advantage that will allow him or her to take the diligence uh, very deep, very deep, very quick, and to uh, really create deep conversations that are content-based. And by this deep conversations, you allow the investor to evaluate the entrepreneur uh, at a conversation that it is challenging for him to hold. So it can be either someone that is very deep on the technical side or someone that is very deep on the go-to-market side or preferably both. But when you're able to hold a very deep conversation with an entrepreneur uh, into his business, understanding his business, his problems, his solution, his technological barriers, then it allows an investor to get a better understanding of the quality of this entrepreneur uh, because of those deep conversations. So I think that uh, uh, knowledge and deep background is uh, it's a must, but can come in different forms. By the way, one of the things that, you know, I've had a few conversations with investors, it's usually much harder to invest in areas that you know very well. Because sometimes you have to stay romantic and not just, you know, identify all the pitfalls or, uh, you know, bad experience that you had in specific areas. Uh, and you have to be more uh, optimistic and sometimes uh, not knowing could it be an advantage, but I'm, I, it's probably not a repetitive way to succeed. That was super valuable, Zvika. It's interesting that you mentioned that the two most important aspects of VC are good access and good selection. And the way that a investor can achieve that is through having their superpowers that make them unique. Do you think that running a company is one of those superpowers that gave you a competitive advantage? You founded VI, a wearable AI technology. How important do you think it is to have operational experience as a founder before being an investor? So I think it has uh, pros and cons. In terms of the pros, it's you know, when you, you, know, you experience something, you can better understand the pain, the challenges, uh, the stress, uh, and you can create empathy. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes you can build... Uh, it's easier to build a relationship because you've been there. On the other side, it's very uh, tempting to take the position of the founder and getting too much involved and related because you think in the same perspective as he does, and then you may you may make wrong decisions as an investor. Because as an investor, we're here to support, to accelerate, uh, but... We can de- we can definitely not replace and not be the one that are leading, uh, you know, fixing problems or uh, 
or uh, or leading changes. It just we need to maintain and to be on the support side. So for entrepreneurs, that's usually the area that is tricky. But on the other hand, as I mentioned, it's a I think it's a great advantage in building the relationships and understanding the perspective that the entrepreneurs are uh, are facing. That's great. So we spoke just now about your experience um, with VI, but we you have another experience that we wonder how important it is to um, what you're doing now. So you were a major in the Israeli Air Force for eight years. Um, and we're just wondering, how did that experience shape your career and you as a person? And if you could shed any light on how the mandatory military service has influenced Israel as becoming the startup nation. Yeah, what I'm going to say now may sound a cliche to many of those who already heard this, but the, you know, when you're 18, you just finished high school. Instead of going to college, you're going to the military. Uh, and, and you have two forms of services, right? One, you can be uh, doing some type of... Uh, you're, you're out in, you know, uh, you're a fighter, a combat, could be a pilot, ground troops, or, you know, anything else. And then uh, you take a kid that uh, was in high school. His, you know, most important challenge was to succeed in school. And now you put him in life-threatening events and you very quickly change his perspective and amplitude of, uh, of emotions. Uh, on what's important, what to focus, what is teamwork, how strong uh, mental uh, strengths can be challenged in, in radical situations. So here you're really building people to take them to the extreme. And when they finish the military, when they're 21, they're much, much stronger people with uh, a complete different level of limitations. So uh, that's on, I think, you know, soldiers that went through uh, combat and, and fighters, uh, soldiers. On the other hand, you have a guy from A200 that they, first of all, dealt with the most sophisticated, complicated technologies that are out there. And the interesting thing with uh, those guys, they never developed technology for the sake of technology. They are developing a solution and finding the best technology to address that solution. And this is a very important mindset, which I think, uh, you know, led to many super successful entrepreneurs. And you identify a problem, and now you have to find the technology, the solution to address this in a very short time frame. Uh, you can improvise, you can use uh, existing technologies, you can make quick tweaks, or you can develop something from scratch. And that's a second cluster of soldiers that, you know, at the age of 20, solved super complicated uh, uh, tasks at a very short time frame, under pressure, uh, and, and those technologies had a significant impact. And they did it in a team uh, with very smart people surrounding. So, so these are two types of uh, people coming out of the army. And I think though there are two different advantages that they can get, they can gain from the military service. That's great. So I kind of want to push a little bit further on this question because it's something that really interests me, um, especially the contrast of that compared to most of 
um, the rest of the world that deals in, you know, a lot of startups and entrepreneurs and venture capital. So just for examples purposes, we would use the United States, um, where after high school, you go directly for most people um, into college, if they choose to, um, into higher education. And I guess my question is, do you view the earlier learning in higher education in the United States compared to the earlier experience, even though it's not directly experience in entrepreneurship, but, you know, you mentioned how important the experience in leadership and teamwork and in, in challenging yourself as a person in the Israeli military, would you view that as a more beneficial experience um, to becoming a entrepreneur, someone who um, is going to end up being a business leader or a leader in any field? Yeah, you know, I think that it's a unique experience. Uh, and, uh, you know, these three to four years will not happen again in your life. You do reserve, but you, you never, you know, you're 18 only once. And to be exposed to this type of environment at that age uh, is very significant in shaping the personality of people. Uh, and uh, I think it is a huge, huge advantage. And that it's exactly at the right age of doing it. And now this is a necessity, right? It's not an it's not an option. This is just uh, this is what the, the country needs, and that what happened, and that is the result. So a short answer to your question is yes. I think this is a very important advantage, and not only accelerating matureness within entrepreneurs, but adding very important skills that could be only achieved at that age and in that environment. Amazing, amazing. That, that's super helpful information. I think our listeners will really appreciate that perspective on how Israel is so unique and that the mandatory military service does have such a strong impact on it as a startup nation. Uh, so, so thank you for that, Speak Up. Sure. Zvika, at Viola, you really do see it all working at so many different stages of the investment. So I'm curious, how do you think the normalization of relations between Israel and the UAE, in addition to other Arab nations, will affect the uh, Israeli investing landscape? So it's still early to tell, but I think that, uh, you know, I've been to Dubai uh, a couple of months ago. And it was amazing to see how fast and easy it was to create a relationship uh, with the Emiratis. Uh, there, there is a lot in the Mediterranean that is, that is in common. So first of all, I think that the chemistry interaction is very positive and natural. Number two, uh, UAE did an amazing shift in leveraging oil into building significant businesses. Next step is using tech and building real businesses. This can create two opportunities. One, through the UAE, uh, Israeli startups companies could expand into the JCC region, which is a very interesting region which we did not even consider until now. Number two, this is uh, a bridge to penetrate large markets that we cannot do directly, like Indonesia, Egypt, and some other interesting geographies that require a different types of technologies, right? So the, the train station of uh, Germany would require 
you know, the delta for the train station is different from the delta from the Egyptian train station infrastructure. So these are different types of requirements, different types of markets, and, and open new opportunities of, of technologies that can address uh, uh, those types of markets. Great. Amazing. So, so Zvika, it sounds like what you're saying is, is the, the greatest impact that the normalization of ties with the UAE and, and Israel will have is just an expansion of potential markets and therefore resources in order to tackle problems. It, it, it's really creating this diversity of resources in order to be able to better, one, uh, tackle problems and also reach new types of people and therefore create new solutions to needs that were not previously known existed. Is, is that right? Yeah. Very interesting. So Zika, we, we appreciate your time um, with all these serious questions. We want to end on a little bit of a lighter note um, and make it a little bit more interesting, perhaps for some of our viewers who didn't catch everything, but we hope they all did. Um, so you've mentioned in the past that you're inspired by Forrest Gump for his ultimate devotion to his loved ones um, and his duties as well. So our question is, how do, you, how do you see that in your own life? How do you think about your incredibly successful career um, as it continues, as well as your devotion to your loved ones? So the amazing thing about Forrest Gump is that he never gave up, right? So I think Forrest Gump was uh, very determined to achieve his goals. And he was always doing it uh, without... Um, you know, hurting anyone. And the, those goals were determined by relationships uh, that he had. Uh, so I think the most amazing thing that you can do uh, as a person, not even as an entrepreneur, is to find goals that are win-win situations. Uh, and these are usually the more complicated goals to achieve uh, and to achieve them without uh, running on people on the way and just getting them through devotion and passion. So that's, uh, you know, I, Forrest Gump was my, uh, you know, the best movie that I, I really loved all the way from uh, since I was a child. Uh, and uh, there were different perspectives at childhood and, and adultness, but they still remain uh, same. Amazing. What, what a great way to conclude this podcast with inspiration from Forrest Gump and a reminder of the importance of relationships, which is what you're saying. Obviously, in, in business, in venture, relationships are key. But more importantly, in, in life, relationships are, are really what I think drive human behavior. So to be able to focus on making them win-win uh, is, is an incredibly inspiring thought and, and an amazing way to end uh, this podcast. Zvika, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you in Israel soon. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. Enjoyed it very much.